A little over two years ago, that means before the pandemic, NYU Stern introduced a brand new online program that merged two hot fields, analytics and management, and was aimed at younger professionals who did not want to leave the workforce or wanted to start in the workforce and continue their education. Let's learn how this program has developed and how it fared during the pandemic from the Vice Dean for Online Education at NYU Stern. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 447th episode of Emissions Trade Talk. Thanks for joining me. Before we dive into today's interview, I want to mention a resource at Accepted that can help you prepare your statement of purpose to the MSQM, to a data analytics program, or a master's in management, as well as to other graduate programs. Download Five Fatal Flaws to Avoid in your grad school statement of purpose to learn how to avoid the five most common mistakes we see in grad school statements of purpose. You'll also learn how to write an SOP that makes your story memorable and highlights your qualifications for your target program. Download this valuable free resource at accepted.com slash 447 download. Again, accepted.com slash 447 download. Our guest today is Dr. Kim Korfman. She is a professor of marketing at NYU Stern and vice dean for online learning. She has served as vice dean for MBA programs, academic director of the Langone part-time MBA program, and coordinator of the doctoral program in marketing. Needless to say, she knows a ton about management education and NYU Stern specifically. And as I mentioned today, we're going to talk about Stern's fairly new, not brand new anymore, but fairly new MS in quantitative management program. Dr. Korfman, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. Oh, thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. And glad to speak with you today. Now, let's start with a really basic question and a refresher from our interview of roughly two and a half years ago. What is the Master's in Quantitative Management at NYU Stern? Uh, can you provide an overview? Yes, and I've gotten better at this over the past couple of years. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, The MSQM provides business basics essentially the MBA core, plus analytics courses. Okay. And the combination is designed to help students become data literate managers and leaders. So that's the really short headline about it. It's uh, 20 months from start to finish, and it's lockstep, so there are no electives. Okay. Uh, students take one course at a time for three, three and a half weeks each course. They come really one right on top of the next and are pretty intense but we've calibrated them so they really are manageable for motivated students. All right, great. And uh, um, what kind of academic background? I mean, do you have to be a math whiz since there's this uh, statistical focus or analytics focus? No, it's um, we welcome applicants with any undergraduate major, and okay. we have a wide variety. Uh, we do have some undergraduate business students. We even have some people who got MBAs already. Really? Oh, a few lawyers, a couple of doctors. Yeah, it's 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 quite diverse, which is really fun. the The other part of that is submitting a standardized test score is optional. Okay. But something we want to make very sure applicants understand that if they choose not to send us a test score, 
we do need to see strong evidence of the quantitative, verbal, and reasoning abilities that are necessary to be successful in this kind of program. Right. So they do need the math. They do need the reasoning ability. They do need to be able to write. And we need to be able to see that. What would be the minimum level of math that you would like to see? Some calculus and a lot of the you know, sort of basic math that leads up to that. And on our website, we have a very clearly laid out exactly okay. what they, what prerequisites they, they should have. All right, great. And what type of students are you attracting the, to the program in terms of experience? Is there a maximum amount of work experience that you consider? Do you require full-time work experience? As I recall, we spoke two and a half years ago, you were really aiming it at early experience or even pre-experience students. We originally thought that would be the population that found it most appealing. But we've, well, we've ended up seeing that even though we get a fair number of applicants right out of undergrad, most of them are our typical MBA applicant age range. And we have a whole bunch that are considerably more senior. They've already had very successful careers and they're looking to refresh or they never got an MBA. And this looks like something that they could fit into their lives and would suit their needs. Okay. So, so is there a preference in terms of experience level or no? Not really. We just, it's just important that applicants understand that there will be this big diversity in uh, kinds of experience, amounts of experience, and that has to be something that they consider a plus, which we certainly do. It creates a great environment in the classroom. Okay. Yeah, it would be. I, I would think it's a plus too. So what else are you looking for in the admissions process? Ah, so many things. Two that come to mind right now, because I've just been looking at some applications, are applicants who do their homework and understand what the program is really about and can tell us how it fits into their vision for their career. Okay. And people who are committed to the challenge of making it work with their professional life and their personal lives. Uh, it's a demanding academic program, so we need people who are realistic about that. Are you really looking for people who, who like outline in the application how they're going to handle work and whatever the responsibilities they have, as well as the MSQM? Or We've never you... gotten that. That would be really interesting. But it's mostly a commitment to doing the program. And if they exhibit that they understand what the program is about and say, yes, this is really for me, and explain why in terms of the fit with their career, that's, that does it. Got it. Okay. Can you describe the application process for the MSQM? Sure. There are a lot of a lot of the things you would normally expect, like an essay. We have one required essay, which is where we de de detect whether people know what the program is about and why it's a fit for them. It's also a way of, of seeing whether someone can put together a case that is persuasive. Right. Two recommendations. We prefer that one be professional and what the other one can be academic, but we want at least one professional reference. There is a second essay that is required if you are not going to submit a test score, and that's where you make your case that you have the prerequisite knowledge and abilities. Uh, what else? All the normal stuff. You know, yeah, that's great. Are you looking for a teamwork, leadership, um, all of the above? All of the above and a diversity. Okay. Not everybody is going to be the supreme leader. Uh, I, everybody does have to be able to work on a team, though. I do have to say that. Okay. It, it struck me as you're talking that in both essay questions, you're asking them to make a case. And I would think that a lot of 
that certainly the data analytics portion of the program would be about using data to make a case. Is that correct? Is, is the parallel there? Yes, and that's interesting too, because, and before I launch into this, I should point out for your listeners that this is not a specialized master's in business analytics. It's absolutely not that. So you're not going to come out of it being highly technical, but you will come out of it being able to use data to make decisions, to ask people for the kinds of data that will help you make decisions and uh, help you make cases for the things that you want to do. Uh, so while we're in the application, we're not expecting them to like have analyzed data sets and be quoted. No, I, I but, yeah. no but, but it's the logic is exactly the same. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And, and frankly, even if you take the data analytics portion out, in management, you are also making a case constantly for whatever course of action you're going to be taking. Absolutely. At least yeah. to yourself, you have to make that case, yeah. not to others, to other stakeholders, whether it's employees or stocks, you know, investors, whatever. Yep. Um, I couldn't agree more. Right. So it's just, uh, just occurred to me as you were talking. And you mentioned one essay question, I guess, is, is, is probably the goal essay question statement of purpose. And the other would be, if you're not taking the test, what's the case for your qualifications? Is an, is an interview required? And if so, what can, interview, what can the interviewee expect? Uh, interviews are not required. Uh, we okay. do interviews when your application leaves us with some questions and we want to talk more about it. Sometimes if it's someone who's very senior, for example, we'll want to make sure that the applicant understands that you're going to have a broad range of you know, students. Sometimes we're not entirely clear on the background knowledge or experience. So we will invite you to interview if we need, if we, if we feel a need. But we love to talk to you. Our admissions counselors love to talk to applicants. So I encourage everybody to have a conversation with, with an admissions counselor because that, that can really help you understand the fit between what you want and where you're going and the program, help you decide whether you should be applying at all, and then make your application more effective. And I assume any interviews would be virtual, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 In, in keeping with the spirit of online, yes. And I'm going to also guess that as an online program, the MSQM basically sailed through the last year and a half of uh, COVID restrictions. Is is that perhaps uh, overstating the case or, or how would you respond to that? <laughs> well, I, in many ways, we did sail through. Uh, but there were parts of the, the, the pandemic did have an impact, especially on the in-person component, which okay. um, I think you were going to ask me about at some point because it's one of our favorite parts. That was my next question, actually. Okay. <laughs> uh, but we have we have these two residencies. One is right at the beginning of the program and the other is a year in. They are four days, a long weekend in August. And the first one has um, lots of orientation type activities, alumni panels, welcomes, career workshops, those kinds of things. Plenty of opportunities for students to get to know each other, network with the class before because they're there at the same time. And they also take parts of their of classes. During the program, there are three courses that have in-person components that take place during the residencies. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, a year ago, summer 2020, we couldn't hold our residency in person. Right. We put it on, we tried to delay it till January, still couldn't do it in person. So we did it virtually. And 
fortunately, we've gotten pretty good at doing lots of things virtually. <laughs> yeah. so, so the students found it reasonably satisfying, but they were so happy that they could come this last August. So we did have an in-person residency. I'd say about a quarter of the students, international students, couldn't get visas to come. So it had to be blended, which is challenging, as the whole education industry has been discussing for a couple of years now. Right. But they tell us that they did find it rewarding, satisfying. They wish they could have been here and hopefully can come next year. And the students who were here thought it was great. Okay, great. So um, I guess that is the in-person component and, and you're planning to continue that going forward. And is it, is it a combination, from what you described, it's both uh, a social element, uh, networking, if you will, as well as actual academic coursework and, and classes, right? Yeah, those things. And in addition, we we usually have panels of speakers, so alumni who have gone on with the knowledge they gained in MSQM and used their ability to be data savvy in their careers and career workshops. So we, we tell students about um, the resources we have available to them to help them progress with their current employer or switch if that's what they want to do. Right. So yeah, it's a very, very full four days. I can imagine. It sounds like <laughs> any any hope or intention to expand that at all or, or not really? It's tough for students to come from all over the world for longer than a long weekend. Yeah. Um, it is interesting, though. We found that students who live near each other, because they discover that very quickly, they get together in person. And oh, that's clearly nice. that's yeah. social and yeah, less than the last year and a half. But, but that's something that we we found interesting. Now, you, you indicated a minute ago that the MSQM is not the same as an MS in business analytics. Correct. So it's not a technical degree. Okay. How does it differ from an MBA with a focus on data analytics, other than the fact that it's online? Well, it's half the length. Okay. You don't get an MBA. That's the obvious one. <laughs> um, it's because it, it, it's the MBA core plus a few courses. So it's like if you did your MBA core and then took three or four electives in analytics, that's, that's what it would look like. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really more like a, a master's in management with a, with a focus on, on analytics, on, on being intelligent users of data. Okay. All right. I think that, that so with an MBA, you would presumably have uh, more electives, if you will, and they, you know, okay. All right. And now one option, particularly at NYU Stern is to start with the MSQM and then transfer into the Langone part-time MBA program. Can you discuss that for a minute, that option? Absolutely. And, um, it's a very interesting week for you to, for us to be having this conversation because some of your, some of your listeners may have seen the articles in Fortune and Poets and Quants about, the online modular option within the Langone part-time MBA that was just announced a couple of days ago. So, well, first I'll, I'll talk about sort of the, the current situation, which is students who are in good standing can apply to transfer to the Langone part-time MBA program, uh, which is in person. So it means that they, they don't get their MSQM, they, but the MSQM courses they have taken count as their core, and then they go on and take roughly the second half of the MBA program in Langona, Washington Square. So this new announcement means that not immediately, but soon, 
students who don't live in the area. The, the transfer option has really only been for people who can get here during the week. So this means that students who live further away and don't want to move will, will have the option to finish their MBA by taking week-long modules in combination with online electives. But the, the, the week-long modules are in-person at Stern, right? They are. They are. Right. But they're obviously shorter, less of a commitment than the, the regular part-time. Exactly. Program. And there, there will be a reasonably large assortment of online electives that can be taken in combination. So a student who finishing the MSQM, because they're more than halfway through the MBA program, would probably have to come to campus a couple of times if they right. to finish the whole degree. And then they would end up with an MBA and the MSQM. No, just the MBA. Just the MBA. Yeah. Okay, got it. Because Got we can't it. double count. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you. No, thanks. Thanks for clarifying. And then they'd have an MBA, obviously, with the background in analytics, and then whatever else they wanted to to study. Okay, yep. great. Now, when we last spoke, you were admitting the inaugural class and planning for about fifty students, right? How many students are you planning for for the class that will matriculate in twenty twenty two, and how many applications did you receive this year? We have pretty much determined that our sweet spot is 100 students. Okay. We had uh, about 80 last year. This year, we had it closer to 100. And one of the things we like a lot about the program is how, how strong the cohort experience is. And we know how to do it at that size, and we're not sure what, it w- what would happen if we made the program bigger. Mm-hmm. So right now, we're thinking that, that 100 is about right. Uh, so it's two blocks, and they elect block leaders. They arrange social events for themselves and study groups. They advocate for the class with us. They've, it's a really, it's a very nice atmosphere. And and there's there's one class per year, right? There's no, I assume it starts in September. Right. Right. So there's no 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 thought at the moment of let's say having another cohort of a hundred start or fifty or whatever start in January or some other time in the year. Not at this point. Um, part of the reason is we really like doing the first residency at the beginning of the program mm-hmm. and asking people to come to New York City in January for a week. <laughs> I, I, can, I can't imagine all the flights that wouldn't make it through. And so <laughs> that's one of the reasons we start the program in August, because the weather is maybe hot, right. but at least you can travel. Right, uh, right. So for now. Well, except for hurricanes. <laughs> except for hurricanes, you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> But we're we're gonna right now we're sticking at a hundred. The other the other thing is we've introduced this new new Langone option, mm-hmm. which is isn't the same because something we didn't talk about is the nature of the courses in the MSQM, cool. which are l- largely asynchronous, meaning students can do right. their work when they want to as long as they their deliverables get in on time. But they, there is an there is a synchronous meeting with the with their professor and their their classmates every week. Uh, which is great because they get to interact live. Uh, but but it's very different from the way the Langone Online modular one will be. It will be, at least at the beginning, uh, every week your class will meet 7 to 9. So if you can't be in class 7 to 9, that's, it's, it's not, not an option. for you. Yeah. yeah. No, I was thinking as you were talking, that that is a big difference between the Langone option, which is, I know, at least largely synchronous. Yeah. Uh, at, at this point in time, mm-hmm. I also asked how many applications are you receiving for the for the program? Are you do you are you do you mind sharing that figure, or do you prefer not to? 
Um, I'm not sure whether I mind, but I don't actually have those data. Okay. Here. Okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. Um, from the feedback that you get from students, what do they like best about the program? Uh, they, they love being together. So they love the residencies. They think those are just great. Think about uh, adding more to it? I don't, we, one, one possibility is to add optional additional time, but we require the residencies. Right. So to ask students in Singapore or Portugal to, to come to New York City more than twice over a year and a half is, is kind of a tough, tough ask. Right. Um, what else did they like? They like the live online meetups. Okay. Which are the weekly class meetings because they get to, you know, interact with their professors and their classmates. Uh, but they also like the flexibility of the asynchronous content and the fact that it is it's designed well. It's not just you go home, watch interminable videos and read lots of books. It is very carefully designed video snippets with in-lesson questions and maybe a small reading and then a problem set and a check questions to with immediate answers and you can go back and check it. So it's it's much more interactive and dynamic. All right, uh, great. So they like that as well. I think I... I don't expect you to remember this, but I think I might have mentioned that my daughter actually did an online master's, not, not in quantity management, about 15 years ago, and she was still uh, living with us. And um, it was her just watching Talking Heads. Oh. And, and she did it. She finished the program. And, and for her, it, it was actually a good program. It was exactly what she wanted. It was watching Talking Heads. And then there was a bulletin board that she participated in some discussions with fellow classmates, but obviously online learning 15 years ago was really in its infancy. It was. It so was very different. And we, yeah. we had our first foray into online learning just a little over 15 years ago. And that's what it was. We didn't know any different. It was a very small experiment. And we decided to give up until we thought we could do it well enough that the education we were providing students would be comparable to what they get when they're on campus. Wow. So that's why we waited. And we really think we've done it. And it, you know, it's still there's some trial and error and we're still improving and we change things all the time, which is our motto. Yeah, <laughs> so, I was just thinking that stirs DNA, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we're, we're pretty happy with how it's working out. Great. Which yeah. is why we could go on and offer this Langone modular thing because of how much we've learned by, with our other online experiments that are now established. Right. But it does seem like the Langone online modular approach is taking a somewhat different take on it in that it is synchronous where the Q, uh, MSQM is, is mostly asynchronous. It, the Langone online courses will be, again, mostly synchronous, but not completely. We're going to be okay. cutting it back. So about a third of each course will end up being asynchronous. So it's a move. Usually when you're, when you're designing a course, it's easy, fairly easy to identify the things that can be accomplished at least as well asynchronously. And so right. take those out and then reserve the class time for the interactive things that sure. are hard to approximate elsewhere. That makes sense. I also wanted to ask you, you were talking about, you know, students from Singapore, et cetera, participating. Approximately what percentage of the students are, are outside the United States? And let's say outside, I'll say outside North America. Well, we have about a quarter of our students are international. Okay. Um, some of them are here, and some of our U.S. citizens are elsewhere, but it, it's roughly the same. Right. Same they balance yeah. out. Okay. And they move around a lot, too. One of, the, <laughs> one of our big challenges is 
keeping track of where they are. These are very mobile people. One of the reasons why they choose the program is it doesn't matter where they live or work. Right. What jobs are graduates getting after they complete the program? And how does NYU Stern help them find those jobs? Is there career uh, support? Yeah, um, we have uh, an institution called the Career Center for Working Professionals which is, serves all of our working professional students while they're here and then all of Stern's alumni oh, all right. when they graduate for the rest of their lives. Wow. You have career services for forever. And the way we roll it out to MSQN students, because some, enough of them are very early career, is we start them out with um, a full array of online resources and some career workshops. And then in their last semester in the program, they get the rest of the suite of services like career coaching, access to job boards and things like that. Because we're, we're a new program, as you know, we just graduated our first class in May. We don't have a lot of information on our alumni because we yeah, actually- And it was a small class, the first class. Really small class. Right. But we, we have heard anecdotally from students who, who have gotten promotions based on the things that they were learning and able to do or because they're- Employers were saying, oh, you're getting a degree, business degree from Stern. You know, you look like you have more potential. And so they're getting promotions. Some of them have changed jobs. Um, we'd like to take all the credit, probably <laughs> all of it, but, but it's working for them. Right, right. Yeah, obviously, these are not uh, full-time students, so they're already in jobs. So it's a little bit right. harder to track. Okay. And what about those planning to apply? I mean, you're still taking applications for September 2022's class, entering class. Either those planning to apply essentially now or the next couple of months, or those planning ahead and thinking, thinking maybe I want to apply to this next year. Let's see. What advice would you have for them? How could they, how could they prepare? Well, first, they need to make sure this is the program they should be in. It is, it's a little surprising the number of, of applicants who have, haven't really done their homework. And it's not good for them. It wouldn't be good for them to be in the program without knowing what it was or if it wasn't a fit. Uh, so make sure it really is. And then uh, make sure you're comfortable with the evidence you can provide that you're prepared for it. And that could mean if you were a liberal arts undergrad and never took any math, you probably need to take a math course. Right. And so you can show us you know some. Unless you're going to take the GMAT or the GRE or the executive assessment, any of those are fine because we can tell that way. But you would actually have to learn the math first before you took those courses. Right. So math is the toughest one. We can, there are easier ways of showing evidence of your, you know, reasoning ability and ability to communicate, uh, at least in writing. So we always recommend applying earlier rather than later because even though it's an online program, we've, we've limited the number of seats we want to fill, but don't apply until you're ready. Much better to have a stronger application later in the process. Right. Um, I always tell applicants, uh, apply as, as early as you can, provided, and provided is always in capital letters if I'm writing an email, you don't compromise the quality of your application. Perfect. Perfect. Right. So, we'll quote okay. you. <laughs> you can quote me, that's fine. Um, in terms of the math and taking coursework for your liberal arts uh, graduate or for somebody who just hasn't had much math recently or did perhaps didn't do so well in it, do you care if they take, let's say, accredited courses from a university or Coursera courses 
or let's say mbamath.com or you know any any preference not hbs really. online not not really as long as they the argument can be made that it was high enough quality and there's evidence that you learned something um and yeah. did well i assume yeah yeah transcripts are helpful grades are helpful absolutely um and just because you don't have those because some of these courses don't provide them uh doesn't mean we won't believe you but um we also have conditional admissions for people who can't make the case, but it sounds like maybe they're prepared. Yeah. Okay. And any any ten, any thoughts about having your own test to see if people are ready or? Oh, that's that's come up periodically. It might be time for us to think of it again. Mm-hmm. We we used to have a sample test, like a self test, mm-hmm. people could take. We had that for the MBA program. It might be time to resurrect that, just so people can do a, a check to see whether you know, take it, see what the answers are, see how they did and whether, you know, figure it out for themselves, whether they need to take the course. Okay. Good idea. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. I'm full of ideas in the last five minutes. Um, That's great. And what question would you have liked me to answer that I didn't ask? You are pretty thorough. I guess the only thing I, I would say is that something that people find surprising to hear about the program sure, go ahead. is is how bonded the students are with each other. And part of it is because they travel through as a cohort. They're taking every course together in lockstep and they communicate so much both in class and outside of class. Um, and they feel really committed to the program, to each other and to the school, uh, which is not what comes to mind when you think of online programs. So right. that's something I like to mention since we've heard that so much from students. I think, I mean, that makes sense to me. I, we accepted, you know, my company is is a entirely virtual company. And I've had people working for us for years that I have actually never physically met, but I really feel like I know them. I know the degree to which I can rely upon them. I have a good sense of their personality, or I think I have a good sense of it. And um, it is you. You do get to know people, and you can have a community, an online community. There's no question, especially yeah. with being able to see people and and you're interacting and you're working on things together. I think that's that's what really um, leads helps people get to know one another. Yes. That reliance on each other. Absolutely. So, anyways, uh, you know the whole world is learning more about what you're just talking about because everyone's had to do a better job of working together, even when we're remote. Right. Uh, so True. maybe your next consulting business. <laughs> we'll see about that. I'm pretty busy with this one. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Corfman, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed learning again about uh, NYU Stern's Masters of Science in Quantitative Management and its evolution over the last two and a half years. So thank you for joining me. And thank you so much. Now, listener, you'll find links in the show notes at exhibit.com slash 447 to both the MSQM program, as well as to five fatal flaws to avoid in your grad school statement of purpose, that's accepted resource, as well as related resources and podcasts. You can download five fatal flaws to avoid from exhibit.com slash 447 download. 
Listener, thank you too for tuning in to this, our 447th episode. If you found this show helpful, subscribe in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcatcher you prefer. So don't miss anything and subscribe. And you can, of course, find subscribe links at accepted.com slash 447. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. 